Good afternoon. Today's Kashrut recording is number three in the part series of Chol of Yisrael. Today we're going to focus on Gvinas Yisrael, on, on the making of hard kosher cheese. The class is dedicated Liuli Nishmas, Toiba Rezol Basrab Yisrael Yitzchak, may her Nishama have the highest Aliyah. The Gemara in Avedah Zara, page 35, Daflamet Hay discusses the halachis about Gvinas Yisrael, how to make cheese, hard cheese, kosher. The Chachamim said in the times of the Mishnah, in the times of the Gemara, that we have to have a Jew present at the time of the making of hard cheese because if we don't have any Jew present as a concern, maybe a non-Jew will use what's called Ur Kevas Nevela, the rennet, the lining of a stomach of a non-kosher animal, that was not shechted, and therefore it would render the entire cheese not kosher, just like the stomach lining of that animal was an avela, was not a shechted animal, so too it would affect the entire cheese and make that not kosher. And one could ask the question that from a volume's perspective, the amount of rennet going into a large vat of cheese is less than 1 in 60, and we know in halacha, generally speaking, most isurim are nullified in a, in a measure of 1 in 60, but here, since the rennet is playing a pivotal role and is a davar hamayim, it's something that actually makes the entire mixture stand and solidify and harden, therefore we, we apply the principle of davar hamayim and bottle, something that's a davar hamayim is not going to become bottle, therefore it's a problem if it's coming from a non-kosher source, it could render the entire cheese as non-kosher. Now, with regards to cheese in general, that's with regards to hard cheeses. That hard cheeses, you, you must put in a, a rennet to have it coagulate and, 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 and solidify. With regards to soft cheeses such as cottage cheese or ricotta cheese, those cheeses can cure it on their own without the usage and, and, and the, the, the aid of a, of a rennet. Um, often vinegar is used in soft cheeses to help them speed up the curding process. But since these soft cheeses can curd on their own, most national hachshedim do not require a mashkiach to be present by soft cheese uh, making. When it comes to, that's with regards to non-cholvisov soft cheese. With regards to cholvisov soft cheese, the mashkiach timidi there regardless because they have a mashkiach there for the milk to make sure that the cholvisov is kept in safely and, and, and kept, in, kept intact. And therefore, the, that same mashkiach is also going to make sure that the rennet will be put in the Chumrah, according to the opinion that's stringent about it. With regards to Gvinas Yisrael that we spoke about hard cheese earlier, this is a halacha with no leniency. So even those Yidin that do not keep Chol of Yisrael, it means they rely on the Heta of Rabbi Meisha Feinstein, which we discussed earlier, they have to make sure that their hard cheese is Gvinas Yisrael. So you'll find cheeses that are not Chol of Yisrael, but it's Gvinas Yisrael because a Jew was there actually putting the rennet in. And case in point, most factories that manufacture non-chol Yisrael kosher hard cheeses that are chol of stam but that, for that clientele. There's a mashkiach tamidi living in the factory itself and the mashkiach tamidi during the weekdays puts in the rennet into the vat and on Shabbos and Yontif just supervises the rennet going in because the, the Ramah holds that it's enough for the mashkiach or for the year just to watch the rennet going in the shach is stringent and says that the mashkiach should actually put it in. So during the weekday when the mashkiach can actually put it in, 
the rennet, we have them do so. That's our policy at the OK. But during Shabbos and Yontiv, we rely on the Ramah that the, the Mashkir can actually watch it going in. The Mashkir is not allowed to put it in on Shabbos and Yontiv because of the problem of boina. It's like, it's like building. Now, with regards to cheese, there's also a, another halacha which, we, which comes into play. It says in Shulchan Aruch that certain cheeses that are aged for six months or more, those are known as sharp cheeses, those are what's known as six-hour cheeses. The halacha is that we have to wait six hours after them. That's the prevailing opinion because they have a, a sharp taste and the taste does not dissipate for a long period of time, for at least six hours. The, in practice, the only hard cheese available um, in a widespread format on the Chol of Yisrael market is Parmesan cheese. And if you look at the label, it'll say like age six months or ten months or more. And that's a six-hour cheese. And one after one consumes that cheese, one has to be careful not to have any meat products for at least six hours. Similarly, if you're, if you're going to use that cheese, let's say to toss it in a salad, you should notify people at the table that's a six-hour cheese, so they shouldn't mistakenly just wait one hour after consuming the Parmesan cheese and have a meat dish afterwards without knowing. Other cheeses that are not Chol of Yisrael could also be six-hour cheeses, but again, that's not something that's relevant to the Chol of Yisrael crowd. I'm just mentioning it just for general information. Monterey Jack, Brie, Swiss, Asiago, Cheddar, Romano can all be cheeses that could be aged for more than six months and could potentially be six-hour cheeses, but again... In the Chol Yisrael market, generally speaking, it's just the Parmesan cheese that comes into play. Another halacha which comes, in, which comes into relevance is there is an opinion that maintains that cheese that is six hours but was then cooked further into a dish loses its charifas, loses its sharpness. That's the opinion of the Yad Yehuda, one of the Achroinim, who, who lived at the same time as the Prima Godim, and he holds that, in such a case, the, the sharpness of the food goes away. There are two opinions as to how to interpret the Yad Yehuda. The more stringent approach in the Yad Yehuda itself, who's a leniency, holds that it has to be cooked into a dish where the, the Parmesan cheese is no longer discernible. So, for example, if I, if I order a pizza in a restaurant that has many cheeses on top, it has Parmesan, it has all kinds of cheeses mixed together, and I can no longer see the Parmesan cheese because of the tomato sauce and all the spices and all the cheeses there, then that would be the more stringent way of learning the Yad Yehuda's opinion after the cheese gets baked into a pizza. The more lenient way of learning the Yad Yehuda, which is a leniency upon a leniency, is that even if the, the Parmesan cheese is discernible on its own, it's still going to be considered to lose its charifas, its sharpness, because of through the baking process. And the same would also come into, the same idea could also come into practice if you're going to make lasagna or something like that. In practice, <clears throat> From what I've seen, Hasidish Rabbanim tend to not rely on this leniency. Uh, it does exist. I'm just mentioning it, and it's my, my job is to just provide information. But in practice, the Hasidish Rabbanim, Rabbanim I've spoken to, have generally speaking not relied on the leniency, although it does exist. Now I'm going to digress into another point, and I'm just going to help introduce the final subject, part four, and that gets into the Chol Yisrael standards and statuses. With regards to standards of Chol of Yisrael, there are different ways in which to make Chol of Yisrael products and production. The, uh, generally speaking, when it comes to milking, a Chol of Yisrael milking process, you, the mashkiach has to be present at the beginning of the milking to make sure that all the kalim, all the vessels used in the milking process are clean, do not have any non-Chol of Yisrael remnants in them. 
because that would violate Ein Mevat Nusvach Atchili. You're not uh, knowingly allowed to put a non Chol Yisrael milk into a Chol Yisrael batch, even if it's going to be nullified. So you have to make sure that the, the vessels are clean. And then also the Mashkiach ascertains that the, the farm only contains kosher animals on the herd. Generally speaking, that's how it's done. It makes it easier that way. And then the Mashkiach would visit the farm like once a month, once, excuse me, once a, an hour, um, every hour, to uh, provide a frequency known as a Yoytze V'Nichnas. So when a Mashkiach goes in once an hour after being there at the beginning of the setup to make sure it's only kosher animals in the herd and the milking has already been taking place, Mashkiach would generally speaking go in once an hour to monitor that. That's a proper frequency for a good standard of Chol of Yisroh. Some Hechshedim are lenient about that. They may have a Mashkiach going in once every four hours or sometimes twice a day. That's a, a weak standard. It's not recommended. I don't want to say it's forbidden, it's not recommended. Then it, with regards to the use of technology to aid a mashkiach with Chol of Yisrael, there's, there's a whole discussion with regards to video systems in Chol of Yisrael. I'm just going to touch upon it now, and I'm going to get into that discussion at the next class at length. But in generally speaking, uh, the more machmir abonim hold that the usage of a video camera should and could only be used to assist a mashkiach in his existing duties already. So if a mashkiach is going to be a yoytze v'nichnas, going to go in and out of a farm once an hour, that frequency has to be maintained. The usage of the camera should just be used to strengthen that. that so if he's in his office and he already saw that, that particular um, farm within the hour, he can just glance at the screen to make sure no changes have taken place. Some achshedim take it as a leniency that they can use the camera system to actually assist and to take the place of some of the duties of the mashkiach. In practice, most reliable hechshedim, to the best of my knowledge, do not use, do not rely on video cameras in America or in Europe or in other parts of the world, except with regards to Eretz Yisrael, because in Eretz Yisrael, many of the farms, if not most of them, many of them are Jewish-owned farms, so when it's a Jewish-owned farm, it's already an easier type of a situation. And in such a situation, there are times when this is relied upon, and we'll get into these details in Mitzvah Shem at the next recording. Thank you very much.